Now you're listening into Paul's Unscripted Podcast. Welcome back guys to Paul's Unscripted Podcast and today we are having two special guests, the soon-to-be dietitian uh, named Amirul and Shen Yi or other people call him Chong. <laughs> Hi everyone. <laughs> Yeah, just call me Chong here. So today, in today's podcast, we're going to talk about Project Tau. Uh, korang boleh tak explain more in like, what is Project Tau? But firstly, macam kenapa nama dia Project Tau? Macam okay. ada, kenapa tak Project 1, 2, 3, 4? Why is it called? Alright. It's it's a very long story. I mean, it's supposed to be in English or Malay sebenarnya. Ah, <laughs> Ke boleh make sure. Alright. Yeah, actually, um, this Project 12 uh, is... To be honest, it was just a random idea by uh, both of us where we think that we want to create one initiative uh, that could be sustainable, which we can use it like for a long term, not just uh, for our community program. Because mm. uh, we we both have that, uh, you know, uh, thoughts before that memang kita orang nak to be the one who lead uh, this community program. Actually, this community mm. program for your information is our coursework. So it's part of mm. our uh, great uh, requirement to graduate. So we have to complete it. So uh, we already, both of us already plan uh, to create these projects uh, even like three months before uh, we started off uh, our community posting. And the name itself, actually why it is Project 12, uh, we are actually the 12th uh, batch of dietetics in UPM. Mm-hmm. So, uh, since it's a community project, so we name it as a Project 12. So, it's the 12th community project in UPM, something like that. So, oh, that's nice. I be- okay. I be- yeah, I'm not sure whether it, it is that catchy, but not much people knowing about it because we didn't really explain and people don't really ask. I mean, certain people ask and we just explain the same thing. Uh, but mm. basically, that that is why uh, it, is, it is named as Project 12. And we actually think of like bringing, bringing it very far uh, inshallah but that one is still in planning uh, we, we don't want to stop just uh, we don't want to just stop like okay we, we finish our community then uh, we will just stop it because uh, we've already outreached uh, 1000 plus community members and we think it would be a waste if we just like let it go yeah as you know that uh, Project 12 itself uh, is aimed to advocate for healthy eating and also uh, we we aspire to let this uh, Instagram account or like this platform to be a medium for uh, people to actually find dietitian. Like probably what we get a lot, right, Shenyi? Uh, when people ask, what are you studying? We said dietetics. People will always yeah. like, huh? What, what is that? What is that? <laughs> Something like that. So we want yeah. to really make this Project 12 as a platform in the future for people to like, wh- whatever like they, they think about food or about diet, they will think about Project 12 they will think about dietitian. So that what we actually hmm. see lah. Uh, you guys are starting to have like a massive get like following in Instagram, right? So I think it's a good yeah. effort from you guys. And yeah, kudos to you guys too. Yeah, but I think it's still kudos to our marketing team, right, Shanyi? Yes. <laughs> so uh, before this, I, I heard like macam project ni sebenarnya supposed to be before you guys were doing this project. You guys were supposed to go to Indonesia and then uh, and do a community outreach role there. And then after that, the COVID thing happened and you guys got cancelled. So can you explain more about that? 
Yeah, um, I mean, that, that is a long story to share because definitely um, as we portray in front of everyone that uh, Project 12 is a community project that we do it online. Actually, before that, there's a lot of story. Yes, as um, I did share uh, with some of my friends that uh, supposedly this Project 12, uh, supposedly we are going to have it in Indonesia, which is actually an idea from our lecturers since last year. And then we have been uh, contacting with the university in Indonesia so that we can send our student there and then we have a, you know, it's another impactful story if, let's say, if we really go there and then we are going to collabor collaborate with the student in from Indonesia and then we're going to have a community project which is more towards a physical event. And yeah, uh, after, after that, there is something happened where we didn't get much response because of the, I don't, I'm not sure about the arrangement, but then, yeah, we got cancelled to, to continue with the plan to go Indonesia. And after that, we come out, we get the instruction or we get the decision from our lecturer that uh, we're going to do it in Sekinchan. Yep. And this is where we already finished our professional training on our inpatient training. So when we get into our community training, we are going to start we, we, we are being informed that yeah you're going to have your commit program in Sakinchan and then we already started for almost three weeks I guess yeah we already get planning with everything because to plan for a project it involves quite a lot of process where we already start we are going to collect our data already so it's until that stage and then that is the time where MCO is being announced and then um, the whole situation in Malaysia is started to, yeah, a lot of people are facing the uncertainty. They don't know wh whether we should be continuing with what we should be doing and, and such. And yeah, this is the second, I would say second point of this story. And then after that, we have a meeting together with our lecturers. After discussion, we decided to just, just do something else from physical event, which we come up with this uh, virtual program. Yeah, I'm mean, like this is good. This is good effort yeah. from you guys. I mean, I was like, macam naik nak pergi bilik and masa bawa lepas beli makanan and I saw this like, why is it it's so much dietitian di kah apa ni common hall and <laughs> so much dietitian. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ada studying macam apa pun yang exam dia ada. Yeah, it was a long then, story lah to be honest. And then how is it? How does it feel like to work with the whole batch? I mean, there's consists of how many people? Like 30 plus people? 37, yeah. 37 people? So how, how, how was the, how can I say, the process of making Project 12 becoming to fruition? How did you guys plan for it? Right. Um, I think everything started off with our dream. Uh. <laughs> um I yeah seriously it, it might sound very fluffy and you know uh very stupid because it's just because of dream like both of us uh, we've been working together before uh in organization and we always talk about let's change something let's do something different uh in front of our classmates it's not that we mm -hmm. we want to show off like the skills that we have or the experiences that we have but it's more towards we want to share uh what we have learned especially in terms of project management people management and also how we actually uh, do things uh, differently so we we always have this kind of dream whereby we always talk let's do let's make a change let's do something different so 
um, it started off with that, with that kind of like, uh, I don't know, just a small conversation between both of us. And at the end of the day, uh, when they are about to select uh, the project directors or the project lead uh, for the program itself, like, uh, yeah, we decided to take up the challenge and uh, be the uh, management team of this project 12. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I know that it's very challenging because uh, we need to uh, work together with people we know, like for the whole four mm-hmm. years. I, I believe that mm-hmm. you, uh, but you, you experience the same thing yeah, when you work was, with your classmates. Though, <laughs> I, I know, right? Yeah, but then uh, to be honest, it turned out to be really, really amazing uh, where everyone really showed their big efforts in doing this, which I think uh, the big influence that happened is because the culture that we shaped uh, throughout the project itself, whereby we emphasize a lot on our own team values. Um, our values, I don't know like, if you, you've uh, ever came across before, it's competent, professional, uh, agility, and also candor. So we emphasize a lot on these uh, four team values in our team uh, structure, where whatever we do, whatever challenges that we're going to be facing uh, towards the program itself, even during the beginning of our project, we've been setting like uh, expectation towards everyone. We have to practice this team four values. Like whatever happened uh, throughout the project, we have to be agile. We have to be competent. We have to be professional and we have to be open, which is to be candor in any kind of like uh, unprecedented uh, situation itself. And it turned out to be that we really face a major event, which is this MCO where Shen, uh, Chong Shenyi already uh, mentioned just now about how fast and a lot of things were changed uh, throughout the event itself. And it turned out that uh, these values really, really strong that make everyone uh, to realize that, okay, uh, let's work together as a team and how important it is to ensure that everyone is accountable towards each, uh, towards each other. And apart from that, I think um, it's the engagement system that we have. Lah. Like we actually create our own engagement system uh, to make sure that everyone work uh, by their own, uh, but at the same time, uh, to contribute to the team itself. So we create our own uh, system. We call it as objective evaluation system, right, Shinji? Yep. Yeah, objective evaluation system. So it's actually just a, a like a spreadsheet full of with like objective things for us to evaluate the members. Like for example, one of the objective is to make sure that they attend. Uh, the meeting uh, on time, uh, be punctual, and then to make sure that they complete their tasks, uh, uh, what we call that, uh, within the deadline itself, things like that. So those are the things that actually shape the whole cult- culture of our Project 12 committee to make sure that everyone is accountable uh, towards each other. So I think that's how actually uh, both of us uh, really manage a big team of people in this committee itself. Hmm. That's an interesting approach. Like we set a... What can I say? How can I say this? This uh, corporate ethos first, so everybody can understand, and like you guys, so everybody can are in the same page, so you guys don't get distracted by, yeah, you know, small things and big things such yes. as COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> and and can you tell me more about the collaboration with uh Holmas, and how how do how do you get? them to be your sponsor and oh. yeah, and it's a big company in 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 singapore actually actually it's not uh like we didn't get sponsor from uh from them um 
uh, I will talk about this because uh, this Holmas is more related to my part because I'm the one who made uh, the collaboration with uh, Holmas. So actually, uh, uh, the one of the dietitians in Holmas actually is a Malaysian and uh, he's a senior dietitian in Malaysia. Uh, so he's quite well known. Lah. So uh, his name is Georgian Thai. Uh, he has his own Instagram, Georgian Cooking. Well, I'm, I, I freely like promote his Instagram right now. <laughs> now plugging. <laughs> Free yeah, plugging. But, but I think uh, he helped us a lot uh, towards, uh, throughout the program itself whereby my lecturer is the one who suggested that okay, this guy worked in Holmas so uh, he, he usually connect with the community through an online platform since like we are doing an online program so it is much related towards what he's doing. So uh, I called him and then we talk about uh, the thing and then how we actually want to make this thing happen and how can actually he provide the things and things like that. So at the end of the day, uh, we came out, uh, we came into a conclusion that, okay, let's uh, collaborate together and we made an agreement. And actually, to be honest, we invested uh, quite a big amount of money uh, with the company itself. Uh, yeah, yeah, we actually invested. So what like people see, uh, the participants like joining for free, things like that, no, but actually we invested like very big amount of money. And also thanks to my classmates, uh, we already did the crowdfunding earlier. Like I said uh, just now, because of our dream, we really want to make a different thing. So we already done the crowdfunding earlier where we crowdfunded uh, more than 10,000 ringgit for our mm-hmm. program. Wow, so from there, we use the money uh, to invest with the company and they provide us with the uh, platform. So yeah, that's basically how we collaborated with the digital health company from Singapore named Holmas. So basically, what did they provide you with website or I don't know meta analysis or what? I see. So I think I'll answer. I will share a little bit more on this part. Basically, Homas is a company. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm promoting, but okay, fine. I'm just sharing what 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 is this company doing and things like that. So for this this Homas, they they actually provide us with uh, an apps where we can let our participants to download the apps. So inside mm. the apps itself, it is equipped with some... I would say it's a very new feature for me. Like, let's say you can lock your food, you can take a picture of your food and you put it, and then you, you, have, you can have some module. You know, they already built in some module inside, as well as you can have a chat, one-to-one chat with your assigned coach. Oh. Yes. So this is the top three, I would say, feature that... Um, we have in the apps itself and at the same time for us as a person who are managing or who are replying behind the screen we also have the a system that we have the ability to rate their mail let's say you're giving you're taking me a picture of your lunch and then uh, from a scale of one star to five star how, how many star i will rate for this meal and things like that as, as well interact together with the participant who join our program as a coach in sharing all the modules that we already prepared yeah which i think is very special because if we are using a usual apps like i don't know facebook uh, whatsapp and things like that we, we can't really see or we can't really have a specific a session one-to-one for, yeah yes, it's, correct it's very interactive in yeah. terms of like like how the consumer going be going to be satisfied with the services you guys that provide. 
Exclusive service, ya. Yeah. Ya, yeah, exclusive, <laughs> exclusive and inclusive. Uh, what about like oh my diet? First of all, I want to compliment on the logo. It looks very very like very nice. I'm like, <laughs> it's very eye catching. It's like kudos to whoever who does the logo first. And yeah, yeah. tell me more about like oh my diet. So how did that come out? I see. Um, so. Oh my diet is just a, I would say it's the name of the program that we are having because uh, we we see ourselves as a committee of projectors, uh, which Amir already mentioned just now. So oh my diet will be the one of the program that we organize, and then yeah, partly we we have to complete this as one of our coursework, so so that for us to graduate. And then um, how does this thing actually come out? Actually, it involves quite a quite a thorough discussion together with our top management board where we have around nine of us so that wait yeah so that uh we basically we have a brainstorming on what are we going to do or how are we going to shape um, this program into for example in terms of the content itself in terms of let's say some of the marketing strategy that we are going to do so that's pretty much about the, all my all my diet and yeah the logo everything the public promotion publication everything actually done by our marketing team so um so it consists of what 14 like the the, the i just i just like spilling out the things that i know it's like 14 day 14 day program thing right or is it more longer than that it's a 14 days program where yeah basically the participants have to download the apps and then within the 14 days itself we have the one-to-one -one interaction together with the participant focusing on healthy eating yeah so basically like every single participant have their own like special diet and exercise that they need to do or how does it work so for every participant after they you now download the apps itself they yeah, they can definitely log their meal and then they will have their own coach we call it as a coach or dietitian to interact with them um, throughout these 14 days yeah uh, so on the spot the dietitian does the what do you call it, like meal plan and exercise plan and and yep. all that um yes inside this program itself we actually uh rated with we have our six module where yeah it comes from all the assessment that we already did before and then but at the same time if let's say the participant they are interested to know more about their new plan how is their exercise doing and they are they will ask inside the chat box and then us as a coach we will interact with them according to every participant mm, okay that's that's interesting so like the social media especially the instagram look very very informative i might say because there's so much you you guys like approach it in a way that uh you guys solve every single myth that there are about like healthy eating and all that especially the one about uh pineapple causes miscarriage and i had the experience and macam lecturer Aku sendiri yang cakap, oh, women can't eat pineapple while they're have like having a baby because um, it's gonna cause miscarriage. And and another myth that I come across that that uh, if you eat egg, 
you'll feel itchiness around the wound that you have the wound macam mm-hmm. scars and all that so can you can you address that for for a moment for the listeners to hear it your um, clarification <laughs> it's it's interesting um It's always something that uh, debatable. Like even among us, the dietitian itself, uh, we have our own opinions on this. But the reason why we came up with the myth and also the fact is because we are always depending on the evidence-based uh, structure. Like whatever we want to give a consultation or an intervention or any kind of advices uh, to the patients or the individual itself, it needs to be something from an evidence. Even for you as a biomedical uh, student, right? Like whatever mm-hmm. you do, whatever research, it needs to be from a re- uh, reliable sources and things like that, right? So mm-hmm. it's the same thing itself uh, when it comes to uh, the myths just now. Um, yeah, to be honest, when we talk about the egg part, uh, it is debatable because it is, there is still some people where when they eat eggs, uh, they feel itchiness uh, around their wound because itchiness is actually uh, a part of the process, the mechanism. So it's the same thing when it comes to uh, the pineapple itself. Uh, the reason why they came out like with the myths and also the fact is because of the evidence that they found that this pineapple doesn't affect the miscarriage itself. But like I said earlier, it is still individualized. Like if you are still afraid of uh, using it, for example, uh, you just had your own, uh, you just had your surgery, or maybe selepas berkatan, lepas sunat, things like that. They say you cannot eat eggs whatsoever. So if it really like something that you're afraid, then you can opt for other option. Like maybe you can take chicken or fish, any other protein sources. It's just that we want to tell people, it's just a myth what you are saying. Like your belief is is another thing, but it's just a myth that it doesn't show show like scientifically, or oh, it can cause, uh, like your wound to uh, lambat sembuh or things like that, or uh, pineapple can cause miscarriage and things like that. So. Those are the things that we as the dietitians are trying to like fight against or advocate to the people out there about it. So yeah, that's basically. So what about the, the there's a thing going out like are there's, are there's an effect when you're eating like excessive uh, fruits that can lead to like blood sugar surge or something like that? Can it really happen if you eat like too much fructose-based like food? A good question. So regarding this, I think definitely, yeah, as we all know that inside the fruit, fruits, we have uh, the, the sugar inside the fruits, we call it as fructose. And definitely if, let's say, we are taking it in a big amount, definitely it will reflect in our blood glucose level because, yeah, it's the same concept where if you eat, a, if you drink sugary drinks a lot at the same time, so it will definitely uh have a spike inside your blood glucose yep but you know all in all fruits is a good still a good source of food that we should be taking every day mm. what about in terms of like dates and um like in ramadan people are taking a lot of dates and uh as a as a source of energy it's like how much of amount or how much like quantity of dates do we really need to eat so it, it will be like sufficient to carry out our day or is it or is it like too bad it, is it it will will it have a bad effect if we have like eating like so much dates in at one time 
yeah, I, I think it's Chinyi, right? It still goes back to the concept whereby uh, we always go back to re- the recommendation that we need every day in terms of fruits uh, and also vegetables. Uh, for fruits and vegetables, if I'm not mistaken, the ratio is 3-2, right, Chinyi? Yep. Yeah, it's like uh, every day you, ac- you at least need to take uh, two servings uh, of uh, fruits. For example, two servings is like uh, in the, uh, during breakfast, you take one uh, satu biji apple. And then uh, you, during dinner, you take another satu biji apple. So you will become two serving in a day. Yeah, mm. so that's the uh, basic recommendation that we need to follow if we want to get uh, enough uh, fiber intake uh, daily. So what happens in Malaysia itself, we tend to overeat uh, the fruits, especially rambutan, those yang uh, berusim, durian, durian uh, things uh. like that. So when that happens, that, that is the reason why it makes our uh, sugar level spike. Because... Mm. Uh, Fruits is also uh, part of carbohydrate, right? It's considered under simple sugar. So when, when we talk about uh, simple sugar, it takes shorter time for, for the sugar to to be dissolved in our blood itself. So it, it spikes uh, the blood glucose level higher, things like that. So that's a basic concept that people need to understand why we shouldn't like overconsume fruits itself because it is still a source of carbohydrate and it can actually spike our blood glucose in the blood itself. Mm, yeah okay so what about the the culture of like the your your overall opinion on malaysian culture and malaysian food because like mostly to be frank it is consists of a lot of carbs a lot of fat a lot of oil and very very it is very very delicious but (laughs) (laughs) so do you have any opinion on that um i think all of this will still goes back to if you I'm not sure whether you heard about the concept of healthy plate where uh, we mentioned it as suku suku separo. So basically inside a plate, what what does it look like if let's say you want to eat healthily, it should be separo plate of sayo dengan fruits and then suku quarter of your plate should be the protein source like ayam, ikan, tofu, you know, mm. and then another quarter portion another suku will be carbohydrate like nasi bizirin all kind of things so with that concept in mind when we are looking at what we usually eat especially let's say we are going to mama bila kita order nasi goreng nasi goreng cina nasi goreng uh, biasa kampung ke apa ke uh, we will see the whole plate is rice yeah, is carbohydrate true. and then kalau kita dah tengok vegetable inside uh, saya tak rasa dia sampai suku of the plate pun True. Yeah. Yes. And contohnya, let's say we go for uh, noodles, everything. Actually, the same concept still applies where in our daily diet in Malaysian, yeah, delicious food, definitely. I love it a lot as well. But then it does, it just doesn't. Who doesn't? Um, it is not balance, balanced yeah. enough yeah. in terms of the nutrients that our body really needs. Yep. What about where where? Okay, being a student, and we always go to McD, KFC, and eating a lot of processed food at kiosk. Uh, eating like buying like sausage a lot, like FSK, and so Mm-mm. from those places, uh, what is the most unhealthiest option? But it looks like a healthy option from you guys, from from fast food joints and all that. Fast food joints, ah. <laughs> the most unhealthiest option, but it looks like healthy. It looks like healthy. Let me think. 
the most unhealthy but it looks healthy. Yeah. I don't know, maybe Shinji has different opinion but in my point of view, I don't see burger as unhealthy uh, initially because burger is actually, uh, it's, if you make it right, they can actually consider as a complete and balanced meal because uh, you have carbohydrate sauce from the roti, you have uh, protein sauce from the chicken patty, like if and only if the chicken patty is the original one, la, not, like not the processed one. And also they have vegetables, uh, they have uh, fat sauces and things like that. So for me, myself, I consider burger uh, can be a healthy choice. So that what is in my mind if you talk about uh, fast food joint. Burger mm. for me is healthy, but what makes it unhealthy during uh, at fast food restaurant because they use like the processed meat. You know, right, how they actually process the meat. There, there are a lot of preservative, uh, I don't know like, what else things that they actually put inside. And then they, they, they somehow make it double, triple, things like that. <laughs> so that's what makes it unhealthy. But initially, in my point of view, burger is actually a healthy choice. If you make it, you use a healthy ingredient. You get what I mean? Yeah. Like, like Subway. Yeah. Subway, uh, yeah, it's sandwich. Uh, you know, some sort of like uh, the same concept, like burger juga, and But... It's for me. It's healthier, lah. Uh, if you you choose the uh, the right one, and if the burger they put more veggies, then probably it will be even more complete and balanced things like that. Yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> what about your thought, Sunny? Um. Yeah. I mean, inside the fast food, I'm not. For me, I wouldn't say it is healthy because definitely it involves a lot of frying, deep frying. Let's say we go for a very famous fast food change and you order a set. Usually they will come up with two pieces of fried chicken, KFC fried chicken, and then they come up with their mashed potato and then they come up with their coleslaw. So at the same time, if let's, every time we are looking at the plate itself, what is in my mind when I apply the healthy plate itself, actually we have protein sauce. And then we do have uh, our mashed potato. And then as well, we do have our coleslaw. But definitely, in terms of the vegetable itself, it is not enough. Alright? And inside the plate itself, I can see, I can actually see the culture of this fast, fast food change in, in making their, the food that they sell is like a little bit balanced. But they also come up with a lot of side uh, french fries. I, me personally, before that, I like to eat, you no, know, I order a set and I order another set of French fries. Basically, it makes the things, the whole meal unbearable Perfect. because <laughs> I'm taking a lot of, I'm taking a lot of fried food. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, in terms of saying healthy or not healthy, it depends on, let's say, you know, once in a while, we're really craving for fast food. I would suggest, yeah, you go for it, but just bear in mind that, what they provide it there, like two pieces of chicken with a small cup of mashed potato with coleslaw, and it is good enough, but don't add in extra things. You know, mm-hmm. like you have extra french fries, and then yeah. it just makes the whole meal to become imba- not balanced. Yeah. 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 Coming back to like projectors, right? So, Mm-mm. what are your steps next after this? Are you guys going to proceed on like marketing it or? You guys going to take a, a pause for a minute because you guys are going to finish your studies or you guys going just going to run with it? So mm-hmm. Good question. <laughs> how, how is it? Uh, what's your plan? Um, we already have our like small plans like how far we want to make uh, this project goes and things like that. But 
uh, at the moment, we rather like focus more on our uh, clinical posting where we'll be finishing it. Uh, we'll be completing our degree uh, in August. So we didn't really like put even like 50% focus on uh, like, you know, making it another one step forward for this project. But at this moment, if you ask us, I think we are focusing more on clinical posting, like finishing our degree. Mm. So, so I can safely say that you guys are taking a break, like for now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can say so. Yep. After finishing the project. So it is done, I guess. Okay. Actually, we already completely finished. Like we have done the report. We have already submitted everything. Like completely finished. Uh, presentation all done. So, mm. uh, we totally done with it. And right now, uh, this project life is totally on us. There's no related to university at all, to our mm. course or anything at all. It's like, it's already become an ind- independent, uh, platform for us to use it. It's just that we haven't really talked, uh, about it, uh, widely. So that's why, uh, we think that it's, it's better for us to actually focus on our clinical posting first. Mm. Only we actually put focus on developing it more. Talking about your clinical posting, right? Let's let's do a segue to to a dietitian life, right? So you guys um, come across a lot of patients uh, which really need help in terms of their diet and and based on their diseases. So, what is the most common case that you guys face uh, based on your clinical experience? Mm-hmm. Mm. Shall you, you go so first you can and then I can, I can answer <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, I mean The most common case that uh, I'm seeing definitely is obesity And yeah, all those people who are having uh, Slightly higher BMI, body mass index And then it actually And then usually they will come along with uh, Some other underlying disease like Type 2 diabetes mellitus like uh, hypertension and some of them even have uh, some chronic disease like chronic kidney disease so the most common one uh, that i always see i think the i think around 60 percent of the of my experience so far because i have been through around nine months of uh, practical so the around 60 percent of them mostly they are actually having obesity and then most of them are also having diabetes mellitus. Mm. Yep. So, um, I think it this thing also reflect in the general population, Malaysian itself, because we recently received there's a health national health and mobility survey. Yep. Uh, of two thousand nineteen has been just re- released recently, and then the data, the statistic that shown the prevalence of obesity and diabetes is actually quite shocking. And it is getting uh, a little bit more haywire than the year before. Yep. So that is the most common case that I see. And then the common, so-called common advice still goes back to we talk about our healthy eating. But it actually tailors to their needs. Because, you know, different individuals, they have their different cultural and eating practice. So that is the things that as a dietitian itself, when, are, when I am seeing this, this type of case that is the things that I'm taking into consideration is yeah. Mm. How about Miru? Um, it's technically the same because uh, we are going into the same like hospitals. So uh, the cases is almost the same as well. 
uh, I see the prominent in, in diabetes, uh, which is very worrying as well. Even like I once uh, seen uh, a, ch- a child, like 12 years old, she's still considered a child, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Imagine like 12 years old and he already had like uh, diabetic ketoacidosis, acidosis, acidosis or acidosis, right? Acidosis, yeah. yeah. DKA, which I think it's, it's very, very severe uh, in like, a child who is like just 12 years old so what is, happened is that does yep. does does the she or he have a type 2 diabetes or type 1 it's a type 2 diabetes whoa what yeah. yeah yep like uh oh the God. the physician w- was trying to the endocrinologist uh, or the uh, yeah the physician itself they yeah. tried to actually uh rule out whether it is a type 1 or things like that but at the end they they came out with their own diagnosis where it is a type 2 diabetes mellitus and uh, it's interesting to be a dietitian uh, when we get to know their eating habits, which is it's very scary, but uh, it is a good reflection for me as well. He's been drinking like Coca-Cola since he was like two years old. What the heck? Every day. Yeah. Seriously? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. For, for every day. Literally every day. Yep. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. So it's very scary like how the culture or you know the way we are living right now the lifestyle itself like that that is just one story but we never really listen to people who probably like they never heard or they never had any like awareness about you know healthy eating or about diseases and things how bad it could be actually so i don't know (laughs) it's it's very shocking uh, for me as well during that time uh, but after he get to know that uh, he had this diabetes and then uh, DKA some more, so he started to slow down. And also at the same time, he uh, he is o- an obese patient, hmm. like twelve years old, obese and also diabetes. So <laughs> yeah. it's yeah, it's, it's very scary. Life. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hard life when you're just twelve years old. Like furthermore, you have to take insulin, like when you are just twelve years old. Insulin means like you are insulin dependent, so. You have to continue your life for the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years with insulin. Yeah. So that, that's very scary. Like. That kid. Yep. I mean, like, adoption of Western culture and Western food and and the drinks, the sugary drinks that we adopted from them, uh, like, really reflect um, the, the outcome of the West. Like, for example, for America, the, their obesity rate are, like, you can find five. Uh, you can find five out of nine person in America are uh, like obese, severely obese. Yeah, it's kind of scary. And it also happened the same in Kuwait, the place that I stayed. So basically, they 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 kind of fantasize about the American business itself. So there's a lot of fast food joints. You can you name it. KFC, McDonald's, Hardee's, Domino's, all that fast food joints were coming into like the country. And then the end result, you can rarely, it's not rarely, it's like when you're seeing obese person, it's a common thing over there. And it is scary that when you look at Malaysia and there's a possibility of Malaysia going that way, like having a lot of obese people. So... Yeah, that's, that's scary, man. What about uh, the... Re- anyway. Yeah? Anyway, like, is it true that it, it is also uh, Arabic culture where, like, the women, after they get married, 
like the fatter they are, the the better they are. Is it is it true? Like is is that also part of the reasons why it contributes to very high obesity? Uh, I'm not I'm not sure about that. Mm, probably because of uh, you, you you need to digest and and break down the culture itself because uh the culture of the woman in Arabic country they when they got married they like in the back in the days um they were solely focused on the uh doing things within the household like cleaning stuff um taking care of the children and when you have that you have like minimal uh effort plus to the lack of sexes uh to the lack of exercise there there is within that culture that will lead to like a fatter no fatter woman lah probably like uh, increased weight ah uh, if if I say that everybody would get offended <laughs> bahaya yeah. yeah uh don't add me after this <laughs> but yeah so that that's the thing because of the culture or of like the lack of awareness that they need to do exercise so that's the problem but but Yeah, there, there, there's no such thing as like having, having a bigger wife would make you happy. That, that's kind of weird though in 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 in, in every single level. But yeah, we're going to make this podcast a a parental guidance PG. Let's keep it PG. <laughs> PG, PG. Yeah. We don't we don't need to have like eighteen plus plus uh thing around. So okay, okay, back back to the podcast. So what about the rare the rarest cases that you guys uh face? The rarest. Uh, um, I I had this one rare case. Uh, for me, it's right because I'm I'm a junior dietitian. Uh, I I don't consider myself as a dietitian yet, but I think very low level of dietitian right now. Still a student, so for me, I might see it like very rare to see. Uh, to see, uh, it's okay. Let me Google it. Uh, Shenyu, you can answer first. I forgot the name. <laughs> um. Okay. So I think the one of the cases that um. I see so far that I found it is very interesting and very rare for for me as a student. So who is who are started who just started their practical to see is uh, a case with a uh, woman, and this patient is actually having a pan- pancreas cancer, pancreatic cancer, oh, oh. and then uh she have to go through a very special surgery that uh, so that the surgeon actually remove the pancreas and. Connect it together with the bowel duct. Oh, it's, I can't really remember what is the name of the, uh, the surgery. But then, yeah, that that is a part that I think there's a lot of learning from there because as apart from what surgeon need to do as a dietitian, you have to take care. You have to understand everything about what pancreas is doing, what is the organ that related to pancreas, and then what is the dietary side that you can intervene or you can give advice to the patient. Yep. Yeah. So how how and then after that the uh-huh. uh huh yeah so what is that so were you included into the making of her like diet plan or something like that yeah I'm giving advice in term of uh in term of the way she eat and then um because during that time itself uh the patient was actually uh not really having a good appetite so um yeah it's a addition. I'm comparing in terms of different products uh-huh. that we can uh, introduce to the patient so that she can still get enough energy and nutrients 
even though she's losing appetite because of the disease itself. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. I mean, like, is she insulin dependent? Since like she doesn't have any pancreas. Um, she is having the cancer itself, but then it is just a part of their of the pancreas, oh, so she doesn't oh, have any see, yeah, see. diabetes problem. Yep. I see. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but, very rare. You're done googling, Amiral. <laughs> yeah, I I I done googling the name. Uh, because it's quite rare. Uh, when I first like heard it, macam like, oh excited though. So about student and eh, macam like, dapat uh. rare cases and the name is Bilary Atricia. Okay, never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nama fancy kan? Yeah. So, uh, it's actually a condition uh, when the bile ducts are actually uh, scarred and also blocked. So, uh, at the end of it, it causes uh, the liver to damage or become cirrhosis. Like, yeah, it becomes cirrhosis. So, um, what makes it so hard is that it it happened like on uh, an infant. Like, masa tu, uh, I think... That, that baby is like just eight months. Yes, wow. eight months. So they need like a transplant, things like that, uh, liver transplant and all. But then, uh, as a dietitian perspective, I think it's very very challenging. Even I didn't manage the case directly. I was just observing, uh, the specialist. I mean the dietitian, like very specialized in this uh area. Uh, when I see like the way she managed it and and stuff, like the way she was assessing, uh, the patient itself, it is very complex and very detailed because you need to even understand. Uh, like example, if you measure the weight of the patient, you need to consider a lot. Not just the 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 weight that you get, like after you measure it, but you need to consider like for example, when the tissue is scarred, you also need to consider the size of the uh the the liver itself. Like that can also contribute to the weight of the baby. At the same time, the baby might have uh abdominal distension or maybe like uh ascites. So there are a lot of like water distension in the stomach and all. So you also need to consider that. So imagine like how detailed it is, uh, going to be. And then at the same time, like since the liver uh itself uh there's a lot of like function main function that we need uh liver for us to uh it's like a kilang lah. Liver is like a kilang in our body. Mm-hmm. So we have to take care of the fat intake. Like even like Shenji said just now, the products we need to compare which product is the best to use uh for this baby. Like it's very important to consider about uh the fat, how much calorie to make sure that uh at the same time not to make uh not to not to make it like excessive of water as well because uh the patient has ascites or water distension so there's also a limitation in terms of the fluid intake daily things like that so it's very interesting and rare for me but I heard that the cases are a lot. But they are all referring these cases in PPUM. Uh, like the baby that I get, uh, actually she she is from Sarawak, but she mm. was being transferred to PPUM because they have, uh, the kepak uh the specialist there lah things like that. So yeah, for me that's rare. Uh, what about bulimia, bulimia nervosa? Is it like prominent within Malaysia or have you come across encountered it? Uh, I. I encountered it before, but not really my patient. Like someone that I know, I think uh, bulimia uh is quite controversial because it's somehow related to uh mental illness as well, right, Shinji? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it relates to your psychology uh, factors and all. So uh, it usually happen uh among women. Even this is uh scientifically proven. 
where bulimia is like they they afraid uh their body become gemuk kan dia tak dia bila dia makan lepas tu dia muntah kan mm-hmm. dia muntahkan balik sebab dia takut so those are the things that related to psychology factors uh, i wouldn't say like it's really really common uh, i didn't really see it, uh, in the clinical settings but i have like several like contacts or like connection people around me that share that okay they have a friend yang ada this uh, problem and things like that lah so yeah that's basically like that happened lah for bulimia hmm. so if they encountered this problem like, like for that for example macam should they go to the psychologist first and then consult the dietitian or first process at like um it, as far as i know um this is what we call is at, at uh, we call it as multidisciplinary team where uh it needs a combination or what we call that a synergy between uh psychiatrist and then dietitian and then physician to ensure that uh the whole the, the the care is more holistic that's why i say that uh it's somehow rare for me to meet uh the patient in the clinical setting even from my uh clinical instructor itself i never really like heard that they they had this kind of patient but I only meet that that kind of patient who is obese but she has depression so they meet post dietitian also psychiatrist at the same time yeah mm. but for in term of the bulimia itself i can't really give like a solid answer because never really seen it like in front of my eyes but in my point of view a multidisciplinary approach between psychiatrist dietitian and also uh physician medical doctors uh very much needed lah to handle uh this patient itself all right Okay. Um. Okay. Let's go to the question and answer segment, where the soon to be dietitian will oh, answer your question from social media that you send it to me. So, okay. The first question is: Is it oh, okay? Oh, I did. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> no, seriously. Oh. Uh, is it okay if I only practice good diet but does not exercise regularly? So that's the mm-hmm. question. Okay, Shanyi. Okay. Please. Yeah. So. If you are managed to maintain a good diet, so uh, there's a lot of definition for good diet. So what I mean here is, um, in terms of you are applying healthy plate, in terms of the food that you eat, that is definitely uh, will contribute to more than fifty percent of your body weight. But if let's say you would like to accelerate or you want to build, still maintain all of your muscle, you know your body muscle everything, exercise is the only way. Yup. So it comes together where it comes together. But let's say if you just make sure you eat a uh, very healthy, very in a good diet in the definition of I mentioned just now. But you are very you didn't move that much in your daily activity, so it doesn't helps in preserving or still maintaining your muscle tissue in your body. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. Second question: What's your opinion on weight losing? Supplements and pills, because there's a lot of people selling them without without any regulation at all. I know, right? Opinion. It it it's it's very painful to to see that. To be honest, like as someone who learned about it, and we learned like four years about healthy eating, about how to make sure that our body doesn't really receive something harmful to our body and things like that. But people just like senang wenang share about the supplementation and things like that like in my point of view you really don't need that because why would you need like a supplement if you can actually take it like from vegetables fruits or natural foods that you have because 
it's a lot cheaper compare you you go for supplementation and things like that. Plus, there is no research study that I really find or like we discussed before in our class about this topic that shows supplement uh will help in weight losing things like that. What happened is that is actually it affects your psychology. Bila you makan the uh, supplement, contohnya makan that tablet, you will have you will tend to have that psychology effect yang rasa macam oh I already eat this. So I won't eat anything else. You get what I mean? Yeah, so bila dah makan tu, effect. yes, exactly. So bila you dah makan ubat tu, and then you directly or indirectly tak makan nasi or tak makan other foods lah, because you already have that psychology effect. Oh, macam so okay, I already eat this. Like it will help me to kurus. So that's why you will have that calorie uh reduction or calorie restriction. So that is actually calorie restriction is actually the basic concept of losing weight. Like. Whenever you want to uh, lose weight, calorie restriction uh, restriction is the the method like how you actually want to lose your weight. Like if let's say you want to lose your weight right now, but then you eat the same like every day, the amount or the calorie intake, it it won't work that way. You won't lose any weight. So that is the basic concept that uh, I think uh, same applies to the supplementation lah. I mean, this is my point of view. Uh, I think it's more towards a psychology effect that makes people think that okay, makan memang lah tak makan bersukurus lah. So dia nampak kurus dia macam okay I give the testimonial to people and say that okay this works on me. Yeah. So that that what happens usually. Yeah. I mean like or like people with massive like following especially artists always use use their platform to like market this yeah. kind of t- stuff and business ah. Yeah, which I think they should stop. Uh like completely. Uh how about how about like taking Um, caffeine pills before working out. What's your opinion about that? Okay, I think this part needs a kind of further reading on this. But um, if to my to the best of my knowledge itself, uh, in terms of caffeine, it doesn't help that much on the sport performance itself. Yep. And then uh, a lot of people they might uh mention they might take also coffee to as a strategy to lose weight. But actually, what it What is a special thing about the coffee itself is it is a diuretic, so it encourages your body to you know pass out more water, and which, in a way, it reduces your weight, and you mm. feel like yeah, I'm, I'm reducing my weight because of I'm drinking coffee. So, some concept that working behind. Yeah, actually, it's all water weight, ah. Uh. Yes, <laughs> correct. Oh my god! All right, that's an interesting thing. And last question, how? To have a healthy workout and eating plan. Okay. Um. Okay. Um. <laughs> this one can have both opinions, lah. Because uh, I yeah. I just started with workout, like, but then I didn't have like my own meal plan. Uh, I started off like two months ago, lah, because at home. So and then finally you have your own time and things like that. So you just do like uh some short home workout and things. But um, just now the question is, what is the tips? Is it how? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, how how to have like a healthy workout and eating plan? I think, uh, in my point of view, in terms of healthy workout, uh, it really depends on the people itself. It really depends on the individual. Some people they memang tolerate uh with that kind of uh weight training like uh macam push up, uh body weight training lah macam push up and then uh buat sit up things like that. But some people they they tend to like uh yang dumbbell more like something that that is related yang ada weight bearing lah things like that. So, 
you need to find your own like suitability or your own comfort, uh, what kind of like exercise you want. At the same time, uh, you need to make sure that the exercise that you're doing is correct. So what I actually did initially before, uh, I watched YouTube video. I forgot this one guy. Uh, there is one YouTube video. It's very, very uh, intensive and good where he shared a lot of, uh, about research study. So whatever exercise that he show uh, or he actually suggests to us, he will actually include together with the research study. Like example, when you, you want to do uh, like uh, dumbbell and macam what we call that, uh, angkat dumbbell. And then angkat dumbbell, there's a certain uh, type of exercise as well. Macam contoh, if you want to build your uh, biceps, there's not only just like uh, do this uh, kind of what we call that. Actually, I uh, forgot the name. Press. Oh, I, I'm not sure about the the name as well. Dumbbell pull up. Ah, uh, uh. uh, macam ah uh, dumbbell whatsoever lah. Macam dumbbell punya type of exercise untuk bicep pun banyak. Ada yang uh, dekat kita punya bicep pun dia ada several muscles as well. Ada small muscles, ada big muscle, uh, major muscle things like that. So that particular video, they actually show. He actually showed a research study which one is the best and things like that. So that's how you can actually do like if you want to uh, plan uh, a good or choose a good uh, workout routine because to be honest, it really depends on the individual. Certain people has different uh, toleration or different stamina or different uh, capability to do something. And when it comes to diet planning itself, um, for me, the most important part is to actually do a calorie restriction. Or Before that, you have to identify whether you actually want to build muscle or you actually want to lose fat. So if you want to lose fat, then definitely you need to cut all the fat sources, uh, macam makanan yang berminyak, things like that. And at the same time, uh, you have to uh, do a calorie restriction. But when it comes to building muscles, definitely you will need more protein. You will need more food, uh, things like that. So it also depends, macam if you want to build muscles, but you also want a bulky type or just a normal type, you have to identify as well which one that you want, things like that. So what you really want... Uh, my tip is that what you really want is very important. You have to identify which one is the best for you. And then only you will start to really write down and plan thoroughly like what, uh, what do you want to do uh, throughout the event itself. Yeah, what about you, Shenyi? What's your opinion? Well, okay. I think it's a great sharing from Amiru because I think it all comes back to what you really want, you know, individualized because everyone is different. Like for me, generally for you to keep healthy, there's only two rules. First one, make sure you be aware of the food that you eat. Is it really following the concept of suku suku separo? So a very, a very quick question. So just to remember, just remember back what you eat this morning. And then is there any protein source? Is there any fiber source? Where I think this is something that most of the most lacking, you know, among Malaysian practice, let's say you are taking roti canai, let, let's say you're just taking, uh, I don't know, a cup of Milo, Milo and things like that. And just bear in mind that healthy eating plate, suku suku separo, uh, in your, in every meal you take. Secondly, regarding exercise, exercise at least 30 minutes per day. Depends on what kind of exercise you want. And if possible, yeah, if, if you think that you are more comfortable with your body weight training, go for it. If you think you are comfortable with just you know, yoga or all this kind of exercise, just go for it. Just make sure every day you move your body mm. for at least 30 minutes. Alright guys, yep. that's it for our podcast for Project Health and Diet Advices from the two future uh, dietitians. So okay, thank you for listening. See you later. Bye. Bye.